0: If you just look at those times, Jen, just those designated three times where they know office hours with mom are open, that has cultivated um, time for those things to naturally come up. There's also times where I see something in their friends and it's time to talk about it Mm -hmm. or I've seen something on the news or we've watched a television show and something came up and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not how we would have handled that. Or, whoa, what do you think about what they just said? Or, I mean, th- when they're very, very little, there's so much time with them that it's natural to take those those moments, it seems like, and harness those. and And that's a learned thing. But as they get older... You're picking the moments of receptivity.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. This is Jennifer Bryant. I am your host and parent of two preteens who are on summer break right now. And yes, we homeschool, but I still believe in summer break. And I bet you do too, if you're a homeschooling mom. Yes, you may not have gotten through the entire math curriculum, but... Sometimes it's okay to say that's enough for now. The kids took their standardized test actually um, in the state of Hawaii. The rule is they can either take a test and show their test scores or we can show them all of our curriculum and everything we do. So we opt for the standardized test, which they pretty much pass every time and it shows that they're on grade level. So that is fine by me. The other thing my kids are doing this summer is um, working, actually. We we own a, a small restaurant here in Honolulu, uh, right outside of Waikiki, if you didn't know. Our restaurant is called South Shore Grill, and we specialize in fish tacos. Now, this isn't necessarily, well, not going to lie. It, it, it's, it's a plug. It's a plug for our family business. But if you've been following me here at Practical Family for any length of time, you know that um, Daddy runs the taco shop and mommy homeschools at home. But now that their kids are old enough, they have uh, jobs there at the restaurant as well. Um, Chloe does the cash register sometimes. Uh, She's learning to do more, but uh, most importantly, she's learning to make her own money. And uh, we're getting Asher in there as much as we can to teach him side work and stuff like that, but we're doing it for the goal of saving up to go visit friends. We want to go to Washington State this year, and uh, I want to expose the kids to the Pacific Northwest. All they've really ever known is Hawaii and California because my family is there, so we want to take a trip um, to Washington this year. So we'll keep you posted about that, but they are absolutely raising their own funds. (laughs) Um, Among the, the responsibilities and important things that we need to teach our kids as they grow Uh, My special guest today uh, is here to talk about countercultural parenting. Now, you may think that making kids get a job and work for their money is countercultural. I mean, in some cases, it may sound like it, but If we are going to raise our kids with the strong work ethic and um, to know their own mind, to know their own body, and to be able to trust themselves to do grown-up adult things in the future, we need to give them opportunities to do things like that, right? So just as they learn about their faith, as they learn about character building, you know, certainly getting a job and holding a job is character building, but There are also those really tough questions. There are things that they see in the media, things that they see um, or that they hear their, their, their friends talk about that we need to be able to address as parents. We need to be able to build that foundation for them of a strong faith, meaning that our faith is not theirs automatically just because we have one, but we need to have those conversations to help them to build a faith and a trust in God as they Grow. My special guest today is Lee Nienheis. She is the host of the Moms in Prayer podcast, and she's written two of her own books. She's written Brave Mom, Brave Kids, and Countercultural Parenting, which is what we'll be talking about today. Lee is here to offer guidance to any parent seeking to raise Jesus following, Jesus-loving kids. So here we go, episode 107 of the Practical Family Podcast. Countercultural Parenting with Lee Nienhuis. Lee is an author and passionate Bible teacher. She is the communication specialist for Moms in Prayer International. If you've ever been part of a Moms in Prayer group, Lee um, leads a lot of those communication things, but especially as um, the host of the Moms in Prayer podcast. So, if you've ever listened to that. You've probably heard her on there before. Um, She and her husband, Mike, have four kids. They live in West Michigan. And you talk about being a farmer's wife. Now, for those of us who have always grown up in urban areas, tell us what that's like being a farmer's wife and what your life looks like now.
0: Well, Jen, you can almost cross an island of Hawaii in 40 minutes, but it takes 40 minutes for me to get to a Starbucks or a Target. Um, So we, yes, I know. We live in a really rural community. And so on the farm, we had 120,000 turkeys and sold about 350 baby pigs a week. So it's like a medium-sized American farm. But as I told you a little bit earlier while we were talking, um, a f- about half a year ago, well, three quarters of a year ago now, we answered a call on my husband's life to um, go into full-time ministry or for him to step into full-time ministry. And so he is now a director of facilities and maintenance for Christian Camp and Conference Center here in West Michigan. So we have three campuses and now we live full-time at camp. We have three different campuses. We do the typical summer camp and have kids come to camp and, and do that. But we also have retreats and conferences. This particular weekend, we will have men's retreats here. So probably in on normal years, we would have 300 men each weekend for a few weekends out here doing men thing. And we do the women's retreats and mom and daughter. And so we also have a dude ranch and we have a Christian um, camping, like RV tent style campground as well. So we kind of do it all, but it's it's a neat place to live. It's very different than the farm though.
1: Really, yeah, yeah. So your kids are, your whole family is living this camp life now with people coming in and out and everything. How, how has that changed the dynamic of your family and what you do with them and everything?
0: Such a thoughtful question because it has been very difficult for us. We used to live on four acres of grass. And so it was surrounded completely by farm and and that kind of thing. But we very much had privacy as a family. And now that has almost left. So our front window, people drive by in golf carts all the time and wave to us. And um it, it has been a transition time for all of us giving a little bit. And it's interesting because COVID slammed the doors on what would be a typical camp year. And we were in a new place in a new home. And so we've all been adjusting to a thousand less square feet on our house. And the Lord has just really brought us closer and closer Um you know, really physically to each other. And that has been precious. I have three teenagers and a and a 10-year-old. So it's a really interesting time for three teenagers to be on top of each other. And yet God has been so good and faithful in the middle of it. But honestly, been a little tricky.
1: Mm, yeah, so you're navigating this new season and with teens, I'm sure, trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to do and
0: be. It's wow. And I, I recognize now too, that our kids draw a lot of their identity, even when they're young, like yours, or even younger than that, based on the career of their parents or the tone that we set for our homes. And so it was natural for our kids to say, we're farm kids. We live in the country and, and now we don't. And so Even though they were little bitty identities, there's been a reshuffling for them, just like there is in our lives for who are we now and what are we going to be about as a family? So I, I, we can talk about this a lot, but this year we have refocused on what does it mean to be a mean heist? And it doesn't just mean being a farm family anymore. And it doesn't mean just loving Jesus. It's meant we obey and follow God's call on his life. And he has called us as a family to this.
1: Gosh, that is such an important message. I'm glad that you started with that because as we talk about countercultural parenting, it, it seems that we kind of have to know who we are. First, before we go out into the culture, before we even know what to do with the culture, how to lead our kids there, what do you find um, it is that parents tend to have the hardest time with when it comes to passing on those values, particularly Christian values to their kids in a world that seems so against it at times?
0: Yeah, I think that most parents, Jen, feel in over their heads. Like, we don't know how to do this. We've never seen this done before. And I think that just not knowing how this should go is derailing for a lot of families, for a lot of mothers in particular. We've never seen a generation like this. And We, nobody has parented with Instagram for their kids' whole lives, or nobody has a time hop where my son was 17 years old, is 17 years old now, and I have pictures of him without clothes on on the internet, you know, just, I mean, (laughs) baby pictures, of course, but nobody's done this before. Nobody's lived in such a connected world. And so we're the first generation of parents walking this road. And that can be very scary or that could be really pioneering too. And so I I think that when moms and dads disqualify themselves because they don't know what this should look like, that they forget that God has still assigned them the primary role for discipling their kids in this generation and that he promises to equip them to do that.
1: Mm. You said a very important word there that I think resonates with a lot of us moms should, what should Mm. this look like? What where should we start? You know, do we just read straight through the Bible together? Do we do we always have praise music on? Do we, you know, and and I know that all of us are going to do our best, and it's not fair to make some sweeping, um, you know, checklist or something for everybody to follow. But what would you say, kind of, are the are the primary tenets that Christian parents can focus on when it comes to just just start somewhere? Start with this.
0: Yep. So. I just read a statistic the other day and I've been talking to um organization leaders across the nation about it. And that's that 5% of Gen Z, only 5% of Gen Z is living from a biblical worldview. And so those are like 15 to like 21, 22 year olds right now. Mm-hmm. And I find that completely disturbing. And the research is showing that even kids who are at church are not saved. They do not know the Bible. They do not know the wealth that is in there for them. And I really think there's this passage in Amos that says there will be a famine in the land, not a famine from food, but a famine of the word of God. And with all of my heart, I believe we're living in that right now where The word is not primary in our lives anymore, as a matter of fact, in our kids' lives. And so it's possible to go to church and not be saturated in God's word. And if we don't have that washing over us, washing over our kids, we don't have that renewing of the mind that we need. And the kids don't know the God that promises to be with them, the promises of God and kind of worse yet. The parents don't know either. And so I think a lot of moms and dads feel ill equipped to to sit down and study scripture. They feel like there must be a formula instead of just realizing that God takes where we are, what we give to him, and he always multiplies it. We have a God of multiplication. And so one of the primary things I would say is, First of all, do this prayer. Lord, I don't know how, but you do. Help me. Um, and and then just give me a love for your word. Give me a heart for prayer. And I really believe that if you put those two wheels on anything, give me a love for your word, give me a heart for prayer, you will move forward in your faith.
1: Mm, I love that. A love for your word and a heart for prayer. It takes me to the time, all of the different, times in my life where I have felt either inadequate as a parent, as a person first, as a parent, like, God, I messed this up again. I yelled again, or I, I made this choice again, you know, and we tend to go into this self-deprecating. I can't do anything right. You know, we, we can do that as human beings, our human behavior takes us there to either this all or nothing mentality where we don't feel good enough to move forward. Yeah, And I talk about this, this topic a lot on, on uh, the practical family podcast, we did a whole series on enoughness, like what is enough? And for you to say, to just start with, well, honesty, number one, God, I don't know where to start. It's okay to say that. And it's a, it comes from a very vulnerable and honest place to just say, I want to fall in love with your word. I may not uh, understand books like, you know, Leviticus, Leviticus, Habakkuk, you know, whatever, but Start somewhere else. Start with the Book of John. Start with start somewhere, and just go through it consistently enough, or as as much as God's going to bless the whatever time we put in is what you're saying. Like just start putting in the time and start praying and start conversing with the Lord, and and He will do the rest.
0: You know, Jen, I just have been bowled over. Been to lots of conferences with moms and just vividly remember the day right after Brave Moms, Brave Kids. I don't even know if it was out yet, but I was teaching on Brave Moms, Brave Kids at Hearts at Home Conference. And a woman walked up to me and she said, I want to do this, but I don't know how. And I, can I get this Brave Moms, Brave Kids, Christian mom thing on training wheels? Like just, I I wasn't raised in in a home like this. I've never seen this done. And the training wheels thing is something we do not like to actually confess as moms or feel, right? But here's the truth. It is okay to be a beginner at any level, at anything. You will not stay a beginner. And if your heart is positioned so that you want to know and love and walk with the Lord, he honors that it says the eyes of his eyes roam throughout the earth, looking to strengthen hearts that are committed to him in second Chronicles. And so it's as easy as just saying like, Lord strengthen me start here. And I mean like the Jesus storybook Bible is the perfect place for a mom to begin to, to understand the scriptures. I mean, if it, if it works for Angie Smith, you know, like she writes for Lifeway now, if it works to read a story bible to start, then that's where you start. But you only need to be approximately 30 seconds ahead of your kids, you know, and <laughs> do it alongside of them and watch what God does.
1: And remind me your your kids' ages again. Remind us where you Yeah, are. I have a boy, girl, girl, boy,
0: so 17, 15, 13 and 10
1: yep there you are you're right there (laughs) totally i've got an 11 year old girl right now and, and 10 year old boy and we're just we're coming up into all of those all of those feelings we have to diffuse arguments daily over here but you know teaching them how to do that and then other times just having having grace for where they are with that is
0: yeah and don't you think jen they're asking who am i how am i different than my mom how am I different than my siblings and then my friends? And, and this is the perfect opportunity for their parents to become students of them as well. And looking for the gifting that God's put in there and calling that out, helping them figure out what are they good at and what do you, what their natural gifting is and also their weaknesses too, and helping them kind of come around that. But, it's a lot of asking, who am I at 12?
1: It's true. And this is why I, I, I love having this conversation with you, Lee, because um, I think we need to be more aware as parents as to how to practice looking at our kids differently, not just as um, the. <laughs> sometimes I see myself as, well, I need to be the bringer of all wisdom <laughs> in this situation. Mm. I need to tell them what to do or what not to do. I need to navigate their every conversation to guide them. Every, And this is truly the age where I need to start backing off a little. Like I've I've noticed that because they're asking those important questions about who they are and who they're going to be separately from each of us, my husband and I, and my husband and I are different people, um, that I've spent more time kind of backing up and listening and seeing kind of where they go with it. And then when they come to me, usually either to tattle or to justify themselves.
0: Now, let's be honest.
1: Yep. We're, we're piecing apart the logic behind what they feel, what triggered it, um, what are they going to do now? Like what's coming at them? Because what's going to come at them, and please tell us and remind us here, as we talk about countercultural parenting, the things that are going to come flying at them. Um, outside of regular domestic family life issues, they're going to have to be equipped to deal with. Yes. So how do we help equip them in the home for those things that that are going to come later?
0: I think it's so good. Well, One of the things that we have to remember is that home needs to be a place where it's okay to fail and come back again. Home is a place where it's okay to be really disappointed in the way that things turn out. Home is our lab. You remember in college or maybe even high school where you practice the things that you're learning in class and you go over it and over and over That is a lab. This is home, is where we are learning the fundamentals of life and we're going over them and over again. It is okay for your kids to have questions that are very difficult, And for you to not know the answer at home Mm -hmm. Um, and for you to give them all the insight and say, you know, what, I don't know. Let's talk to your pastor about that or let me do some research and get back to you. One of the things that we navigated very early on was. Um. Uh, girls in my daughter's middle school who were same-sex attracted and acting out on that all around them. And we hadn't looked at that in our home. We hadn't talked through some of those things at the level that we were going to need to. So as we walk through things, as they get their first boyfriends and crushes, as we see them become girl crazy or boy crazy, it's just this is a time where um, they – they have the opportunity to come home and ask questions. And so, and some kids aren't going to ask questions if we're really honest. And so that's the time where we're listening, we're observing what's happening with their peers and we do so unafraid. and and I think that's just one of the key things that parents have to work through right now is not letting the things that we see in society freak us out of our ever loving minds to such an extent that we're always conveying fear to our kids rather than faith in the God who put us on this earth during this season on the kingdom calendar.
1: Ooh faith over fear even as we as parents hear about those those difficult awkward sometimes crazy conversations like do I really need to address this right now you know the, the as as they're becoming or my kids are coming into you know puberty and things like that okay like I, I know i need to have certain conversations with them um we did an episode before on how to have the sex talk <clears throat> and how important that is and being open and being honest and not shaming and all of that, but then when it comes to the topics like what you mentioned, you know, the same sex attractiveness, you know, so I feel like I need to then dive into the whole, you know, um, the the whole conversation of like the homosexuality and what does God say about this. And while I do need to do my homework, I I, I find myself getting more anxious about I need to be prepared for when this comes, but. I think there's probably a piece to this, too, that like what you said at the beginning about trusting, trusting that the Lord will lead us to the places that we need to be. Um, That particular conversation, I have not worked or walked out in my home yet, but I so want to help prepare parents for when they get there. Um, So how do you how would you say? We, we even begin to sit down about this thing. Like, do we need to have intentional sit down? Okay, now we're going to talk about homosexuality or now we're going to talk about this. Or do we always just let it happen organically? What? How could it look like for parents in the home is what I'm asking
0: i i think i can only tell you what's happened in our home and that's that there are times where we've cultivated conversation times that happen naturally and they're going to happen in the morning before school um it used to be that i would get up for an hour and before my kids got up and this can sound dreamy to some moms that still have little babies but get up for an hour and then my kids would wake up and then you know i would study my bible and then i sit down and study with them and that's not possible in the stage that we're in anymore but the time before they go to school I sit on the couch in the middle of our little tiny house now and I'm available for every conversation, every signing of a paper that needs to happen. This is a time when they know that I'm available, you know, like, so I'm drinking coffee and I'm telling you, sometimes it hits me between the eyes, the things that we're talking about before 8 a.m., you know, but the other thing is, is that dinner time has been a natural time for that. Like we we do the sharing questions are on the table. What was the high of the day? What was the low of the day? What did you could do over the day? Um, and then my husband takes bedtime and he's done this for a while. I did it when they were little. Um, but he sits on the bed and tucks them in, says, I love you. prays, asks if there's anything we should pray about. And so if you just look at those times, Jen, just those designated three times where they know office hours with mom are open That has cultivated um, time for those things to naturally come up. There's also times where I see something in their friends and it's time to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Or I've seen something on the news or we've watched a television show and something came up and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not how we would have handled that. Or, whoa, what do you think about what they just said? Or... I mean, th- when they're very, very little, there's so much time with them that it's natural to take those those moments, it seems like, and harness those. And, and that's a learned thing. But as they get older, you're picking the moments of receptivity. And so for homeschooling parents, there's more one-on-one time together, or five-on-one, depends on the size of your homeschooling family. But when they... Exit your home to public school. If they do that, if you make that choice, you're grabbing snippets of time, and I think it's just being willing to go there at any time, just a willingness to let every moment be useful. And I love it that the Lord is accessible to us in those moments. Jen, there's never a time you're going to enter into a conversation where He's not going to be ready to give you wisdom and discernment in the moment. And so, like the sex talk. There's never a time to not have that talk. <laughs> it, it, when it's little, it's it's a little bitty conversation. And it's not long and drawn out. It's not very detailed. And when they're in high school, it's time for a little more detail. And by the time they get married, you hope to have had the whole enchilada conversation about how that will go. Um, but trusting that each stage, that God is leading you in those.
1: Amen. Amen. And so the, the concern then about what do I give them, how much do I give them, when do I give it to them, it's, it's I think, in a search, and for people like me, too, who have this tendency to want to do things the right way, right? I think we all kind of seek that stability as parents, especially if we didn't see it modeled much growing up. Right? We go for the books, we go for the materials, and there are so many, and, and at Practical Family, I've I've uh, highlighted and platformed wonderful ministries like yours, who have given the nitty-gritties about. Here's what you can do. It's wonderful to hear even examples of this, like from from moms like you, to say, "Well, you could do it in the morning. It could be at dinner time. It could be." And a, and a lot of us have never thought of that because each of our family uh, times and days look different. And what if I just made room in this area to do that?
0: You know, something that has been really helpful and I talk about it in Brave Moms, Brave Kids, too, but um, in BRAVE is an acronym, just the books based on that. But the R is for reflect and it's it's in the middle of motherhood. Some of the most powerful moments are the moments that we stop and say, wait a minute, what is going on here? And it's moments Where we are reflecting on us, it's moments where we're reflecting on what is happening with our kids, what's happening in our marriages. There was this time when my baby Ryan was seven years old and he's 10 now. And I realized that he did not know how to tie his shoe. And I said to him, you need to get on your shoes and go get in the car. And he said, um, he said, I don't know how, I don't know how to tie my shoes. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're seven years old. And he said, well, I've, I have two words, this is a true story. I have two words for you, Velcro. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's right. I had bought him Velcro shoes. And Jen, you know, there was no reason in the world that I would not have taught him how to tie his shoe. It was just an oversight. And so I think that there are things that we actually don't say to our kids. And it's not because we don't mean to, it's because we just haven't thought of it so far. And so what the Lord's just led me to do is I I call it my quarterly review, but uh, about once a quarter in my kids' lives, I sit down with this piece of paper, 25 questions that the Lord's given me. They're free on my website, but they're in the back of the brave mom's brave kids book. They're in Countercultural parenting too. Um, but their questions like what what is my child's greatest strength right now what do i see developing in them um what physical things have i not taught them how to do who are their closest friends it's 20 like what's my child's learning style I've even education class questions in here too is my child learning age-appropriate hygiene you know i mean things but this looks different at every stage with every child. And I think that one of the things that moms need to understand is that sometimes it's because we're going to the next stage so quickly that we're missing steps where a little bit of reflectful reflection could be a game changer for a family.
1: Mm -hmm. Instead of letting every day lead us, you know, that we... We stop to take that minute to reflect, to take charge of, okay, what is actually happening? And do, do we need to go any kind of different direction? And that's just ownership. That's ownership of our own choices as a family. And it, I think it's easy to feel pulled by the culture or, or pulled by all the supposed tos, whether it's all the kids' activities or what we're doing at church this week or, or just our schedule. I have to remember wait, we are in charge of our schedule we can choose to go or not go with something for the most part you know um and and what a welcome reprieve that can be for us that's that sounds good Thank you. <laughs> I, I just want to remind parents
0: that character is a primary issue in the formation that your children are going through. Countercultural parenting answers the question, how do we see the culture change? And the answer is that we do the work at home. That society is a barometer of this large group of homes. And that the work of rebuilding society actually starts in our own home. and And really, you can't do that when you're always driving to the next thing, when you're always going to the next place um and so there have been times where even though I love that my kids are very involved with their youth group they love their youth group buddies there are times where I'm like yeah it's Sunday night and we need time as a family right now worse than you need to go hang out with your youth group friends Mm -hmm. and I'm pro-church but there are times where we've just said you know what especially we talked about moving here we've needed a lot of family time and a lot of time to just say everybody's scrappy everybody's cried today. It's time to just settle back in at home and and put the wheels back on. And I think parents are the ones who are equipped to do this. And God has given the primary responsibility of passing faith, not to a youth pastor, but to the parents. And that faith flows best downhill from one parent to the child, to the child becoming a parent and so on. And that when we put ourselves in the middle of that, of that rightful passage of faith that we have just positioned ourselves for an infusion of power by the Lord.
1: Thank you so much, Lee. Um, I want to point people now to your website. I put the the link in there and I want to show them this shirt because this shirt came from your ministry. Tell us about this Raising Heroes concept. And I imagine it came from the Brave Moms, Brave Kids book, but but let's fill us in and let it let them know where they can get one, too.
0: You bet. My prayer since before the Lord even gave me kids was that this understanding that kids and becoming a parent was actually a gift from God, that we could do nothing to make parents parenting happen in our lives, um, that parents are a gift. Or parents are a gift. They are they are a gift. Children are a gift from him, a reward to us. And so we always pray day in, day out that our kids would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And the day that my child did that, I, I turned to my husband and I turned to the Lord and said, what do we pray next? And that's when I started praying, Lord, I want them to be heroes of the faith. And so here's the truth. A hero is not someone who's always standing in the spotlight. Heroes are willing to do the right thing, whether someone's watching or not. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it because they love the Heavenly Father, and they're motivated by His love. And so that is the Raising Heroes shirt that you have on right now. And so Brave Moms, Brave Kids. The subtitle is a battle plan for raising heroes.
1: So awesome, awesome! Two wonderful books. I'm going to actually get um, them for myself now and go over them with my own kids. I, I'm I'm so grateful for you, Lee, and the ministry that you've been call to, but that you're choosing like we all are to stay faithful to that calling and do the right thing, <laughs> no matter what, no matter how we feel, no matter how afraid we are to move forward, even as moms, you know, it can be, it can be scary. It can be draining. This whole pandemic season has been, has been not the norm, but what can we choose to do within this new normal um, and trusting and knowing that God is there and he's bigger than us and he'll give us the strength to get through that day. Um, I want moms to believe that. So whatever, wherever you are right now, mama, and wherever you're watching from, whatever time of day it is, we want you to know and remember that first of all, you were loved by God and you were being led by him and you don't need to know everything to be able to raise wonderful godly kids because he's got this. He's got mm. it and we just need to do what we need to do um, every day and admit what we don't know. <laughs> I love that we can start with that. God, I don't know. Show me where to go. <laughs> so thank you so much, Lee, for joining us. I appreciate your presence here and your message. And thank you for being a part of the Practical Family community. And message.
0: It has been a gift to be with you, friend.
1: you've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant and my special guest today was Lee Nienhuis. She is an author and speaker, mom encourager. Please go check her out at the resource links in our bio. You can find Her t-shirts, her study books, um, the books that she's actually written, they're such great resources for parents to have in their arsenal for whenever you have to face these tough questions. We don't need to do this alone, parents. So go ahead and grab your resources there and come back, keep coming back to the Practical Family Podcast. If you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and you can also watch our podcast videos now on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube backslash Practical Family and find us there as well. Thank you so much for being part of the Practical Family community. This is Jennifer Bryant and we are here to encourage you to discover your gifts and embrace grace.